0: All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I want to read you from the lines of that song, Because He Lives. I'll read one of the verses to you. Uh, Here it is. And then one day, I'll cross the river. Now the river Jordan has been used metaphorically of going through death into eternity and particularly going into the promised land into heaven so he says and then one day I'll cross the river I'll fight life's final war with pain well the final war with pain is death isn't it that's that final war and then as death gives way to victory as death gives way to victory so the Christian is facing death and just when it looks as bleak as it can be we enter into life with the Lord Jesus. As death gives way to victory. He said, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he reigns. You know, we live the Christian life by faith. We talked about that in our Bible class this morning. and I never did get to say this because we went on to different things. But the Christian life is a life of faith. Uh, we, we The Bible tells us things and... We don't understand it all. We don't understand uh, heaven and what it's going to be like. We got some ideals, but we don't have it. We don't understand it all. But it's by faith that we believe and trust, isn't it? And and it's not blind faith. It's in, it's faith in what the Bible teaches, faith in what the Lord has done on the cross at Calvary. So we have faith that that others do not have, and it's not a blind faith. But one day this faith is going to be turned into reality. You know, it talks about. Over in eternity, there's no need of faith. Well, the reason there's no need of faith because we'll be there. We'll see it as it really is. And so, that song, I thought that that writer had done a tremendous job of giving us that metaphorical uh, illustration of going through death into eternity. Yeah, and we're all going to go into eternity, aren't we? We all are. And uh, someone would like to say, well, when I die, I'll just be, I won't exist anymore. That goes contrary to everything we know. All that is is denial of reality. The reality is you are a soul living in a body. And when you leave this body, when you, your soul, leaves this body, the Bible teaches us, and we know it's real. You're going to be somewhere, and the Bible says you're going to be either in heaven or hell based on your decision not because God sent you to hell because you chose to reject the way to heaven Amen. and the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ trusting him as your Lord and Savior and that's the way to heaven and God made it plain He made it real made it clear made it so easy that a child could understand it and don't complicate it keep it simple the way to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ through believing faith Believing and trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 17. And we're going to look at the blessings and the cursings, or the blessings and the warnings, rather, of this passage. And uh, we're looking at the teaching of the Lord Jesus here to His disciples. Now, He wasn't teaching this to the world, per se, and the world is those that are outside of Christ. But He was teaching it to those those disciples there and he was teaching them, preparing them to assign to them the work of the church, which we are. You know, some of us look at church as a destination. Oh, I'm going to church this Sunday and it's a destination. I'm not complaining that you feel that way. I wish you would make that your Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night destination. Right? It is a destination in that sense. But once you get that down, church is more than a destination. It's a pep rally. It's a preparation meeting. It's a, a learning school. It, it's, it's a place we uh, fellowship together. It's a place that we uh, communicate with one another and we, we learn the practices of Jesus that taught us the Word of God and, and taught us how to live for Him. And then it is a sending place where we go back into the community and we take these truths he taught us, living them out, and we witness and we try to example Christ, example the Christian life, and try to win other people to Christ. The church is more than just a destination. It begins there, but then it's a sending place. It's a place where we find the things that we need in life, and then it's part of our life, and then we are sent from that place to bring others to Christ. Well, Jesus was preparing his disciples to do that very thing. So he taught these simple truths and, and so and he uses the people there with him to teach these truths. So we have to pull from what he was teaching the truths that he want us, wants us to practice. So we begin reading in verse 17, a word of blessing and a word of woes. He said, And he, he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him to be healed of their diseases now 17 i got to say this they came from everywhere they're coming from everywhere just to hear him then verse 18 it says and they that were vexed with the unclean spirits and they were healed And the whole multitude sought to touch Him. They sought to touch Him. And you know, there ought to be a desire of our hearts to to touch the Lord. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Not physically. But to touch the Lord. And and so he says in uh, verse 19, And the whole multitude sought to touch Him, for there went virtue out of Him, and it still does, and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. Notice who he's going to teach. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now. For ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, companionship, and shall reproach you, and cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Verse 23. Rejoice you in that day, and leap for joy. Total opposite of what you want to do. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Okay, this passage that I've chosen to come from today is, is uh, part of the teaching that he gave on, on that... Uh, no, that's recorded that he gave on that day. We don't know that it all came from that day but uh, we do know Luke picked it up from some of the preaching services that he was in with the Lord Jesus, and he puts it all together here. <clears throat> you got to understand, I don't know, you may already get this, but uh, the Bible doesn't include everything the Lord did, and everything it includes is not done on the same day. The writers are just gathering information as the Holy Spirit would lead them and putting it together in a form that would speak to us and encourage us and help us. Okay, so there it is. John even tells us at the close of the the Gospel of John that if we recorded everything that he did and said, the the worlds would not contain the books that we should write. And and so that's metaphorically speaking uh, that he couldn't write it all down and there's no need in it. The Holy Spirit just chose the things that you and I need to inspire us, to challenge us, to warn us, and instruct us. So, so so, Jesus, verse 17, it says that he came down to where they were, which is a metaphor in itself of him coming down from heaven to meet the needs of the world when he came. And so we see here in this text, underlying the text is, we see the Lord's mission We see his ministry, and we see his life as he came down to the world 2,000 years ago. Now, let me go ahead and jump ahead and say what he did then. He instructs us to follow his example and carry his gospel to our community and to our world. And so the crowd was touched by him. Now, I, I think I need to say this as far as explanation, a little background. In in, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we have the record of the Sermon on the Mount. Some of the things uh, in that sermon is in this one. And so scholars think that this is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Other scholars think, no, it's not uh, excerpts from that Sermon on the Mount, it's another occasion. Well, it's pretty obvious to me it was another occasion. When Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, I've been there. It's a real mount. And this one, he's not preaching there at that place. He's preaching another place. Jesus, you know what? This helped me a lot. Jesus is preaching the same sermon again. (laughs) But he's not preaching the same way. And he wasn't led by the Spirit to say everything he said the other time. He's saying what he needs to say to this group of people Uh, But he is an evangelist in the sense that he's traveling and he's speaking and he's saying what the Spirit of God led him to say because the people there needed to hear the words that he spoke. So we got him here preaching and teaching at a different occasion than the Sermon on the Mount. That's, to me, pretty obvious. Now, the crowd, they came to him. They they came to, to get their needs met. Now, when you, first came, when you first come to Christ, you should come to get your needs met. But once your needs are met, you shouldn't walk away. Once your needs are met, you should become a minister to minister to other people that have needs. And that's what Jesus is teaching the disciples here. The underlying truth, he's teaching the disciples, I'm meeting needs and I want to instruct you and teach you to meet people's needs. And when their needs are met, they need to be a need meter in other people's life. And so in his instruction, he's teaching the disciples some basic, very important truth, simple but very important truth that you and I need to keep in our mind and our hearts, and we need to carry, us, carry with us as we minister to the needs of our community and our world today. Now, underlying truth, he came to serve. And we are sent to serve. Uh, John 17, as he was praying his high priestly prayer, he said, As you have sent me, Father, into the world, even so send I you disciples into the world to carry out my ministry. So the church is not a destination only. It's a ministry. And we're to carry the gospel, the, the, the word of Jesus, to the community and to the world, right? So here you are. You say, well, preacher, you got me here. Oh, you finally got me. You've been after me to come, and here I am. I'm done. No, no. You're just getting started. This is a starting point. So here he is teaching, and his disciples are to be learning. He says in 17, we'll skip 17, because it's just information. 18, he says, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits And they were were healed. Now the word vexed means they were troubled. Now Jesus is teaching us underlying truth that we're to have compassion on people. We're to have compassion. It's so easy for Christians to be compassionless. For us to just think about our own stuff. We got more trouble than we can handle ourselves. I don't want to get into other people's business because I'm not doing very good. No, we're to be like Jesus. We're to follow Jesus. We're to have compassion. For people that have trouble. We may be the only Bible that someone will ever read. You remember that one? We may be the only Bible. We may be the one that causes them to open the Bible. We may be the one that encourages them to come to a preaching service. So we need to care and have compassion for people in need. Now Jesus was physically approached by these people. He approached them, and then they're approaching him. They're wanting to touch him, because virtue was coming. You know, our church service needs to be one that virtue comes from, that people are are helped by being here. And every Christian here needs to realize that you're just not here to be on your own. You're not here to sit through this sermon, but you are here ministering to the people that come here, whether they be saved or not, And and, and that's a part of being in church. That's part of worship. Now, we talk about a singer being a worship leader. We don't use that term here. He's a song leader. Worship comes from you as you serve and minister to others in the church service. I'll just drop it right there and lay it on your lap. Now, verse 19, he says, The whole multitude sought to touch it. When we come to church, it ought to be our heart's desire to metaphorically touch the Lord. To be in touch, yeah, to touch the Lord. It should be our heart to to lift our soul up to touch Jesus. I know, you don't get that. You just keep hanging in there and you may get that yet, okay? Verse 19, he said, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, Let's all be, the whole multitude, uh, let it be our heart's desire to touch him. For there went virtue out of him and healed him all. Listen to me. Worship is not us singing a song or preaching a sermon. It's us getting together in the presence of the Lord as a congregation, a group of people together, a community of believers, however you want to say it, and it's reaching up with our spirit to the Lord and him reaching down and virtue coming to us and helping us and changing us and making us new so that we can go out those doors and live our life for Christ. Now, folks, that's worship. You don't read that in the books. That's not a song, sir. That's not a special song. It's all part of it. It's all a part of it. But you'd miss the part of touching Jesus and Jesus touching you, metaphorically speaking, and virtue coming into your life from it. Church should change your life. And it does if you participate. Okay, so we got 19. Now, I want to go over the order of service. I'm I'm looking underneath what he's saying, a, a whole lot of what I'm saying in the first part. He came to where they were. We don't need to wait for people to come to where we are. We need to go to where they are. All right, church, it's not a destination. Oh, it is at first, but we're to go to where they are to bring them to where they need to be. Jesus came to where they were. He ministered to their needs and the people responded to them. So we go to where the people are and we try to be a blessing in their life. We respond to their needs and they respond to us in turn. And then he taught his disciples. And so some of what I'm doing today is going to be teaching you what he taught us in the scripture. The verse 20, it says that he lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples. Now, some people, some of us are just a part of the crowd. Some of us, Go farther than that. And the goal that Jesus has for all of us is to go farther than that, to be his disciple. Now, you you could be a Christian and just show up. Your destination. God, my intention this week is to go to church on Sunday. That's Monday, right? Nothing wrong with having that to be a goal, but if that, is that it? Is that it? Man, that's, that's that's first base, right? There's a second and a third and a, you don't count till you score home, right? You know, you get on third base, you don't count till you get home plate. So my intention is to go to church first base, second base, third base. You can put second and third, whatever you want to be, but home plate is for you to worship, to touch him and he touches you. All right, got that? So, verse 20, we got it. Then he gives instructions to the disciples, to the believers. Not to the multitude, but to the believers. And he's preparing them to carry church out after he goes back to heaven. And we're trying to do what he was teaching them to do. We're trying to have church. We're trying to be church. Now, he gives us the blessings and the warnings. Verse 20 to 26. He he, he says, there's a blessing to the poor. The hungry, verse 21. Those that weep, verse 21. And then the hated, the separated, and the outcasts. Now Jesus, first of all, addresses those that are weak, beat down, been abused. And he is addressing those people. He is ministering to them first. So what should we think about? We should be like Jesus. We should minister to the poor. We should minister to the hungry. We should minister to the weak. And we should, those that weep. And we should minister to those that are hated and separated and outcast. And listen, if you don't understand those terms, you've been a Christian too long. If you look in the Matthew, at the Sermon on the Mount, he explained them a a little more there. But the poor could be just a poor in spirit person, not necessarily physically poor. You know, you can be very wealthy and still yet be poor. And by the way, if you talk about having things and money and things, all of us are very rich compared to the world. Can you all get that? All of us are rich compared to the people of the world. But we, as the ministers of Christ, you and I as Christians, we are to minister, reach out to the poor, to the hungry, to those that weep, and to those that are hated and separated, and those that are outcasts. How can we be a blessing to these people? Shame on us if we get saved and get satisfied. You remember what Bob used to say? We sit and sigh. He have another S in there. Somebody, you know what? Soak. soak. That's it. Sit, soak, soak, and sigh. Let me ask you, what's your what, don't? No, this is not your goal. But in reality, what's going on in you at church when you go to church? Are you just sitting, soaking, and sigh? Good water will go bad if it just sits still. So. How can I be a blessing to those that are poor, poor in spirit, poor financially maybe? How can I be a blessing to those that are hungry, physically hungry for spiritual truth? How can I be a blessing to those that are going through troubles and they're weeping, they're suffering? How can I be a blessing to those that are hated and separated and are outcast. And I'll tell you what, I believe in the culture that we live in today, there are more people that are hated and separated and, and there's divisions everywhere more than any other time in my lifetime. Then he gives a warning. He gives a warning and he, he warns the rich and the full, those that are laughing, and when... People speak well of it. when all they speak is well of. It. All right, so it's a warning. Rich, full, laughing. So he, he's warning us when we have everything in order, which is hard for us to have. But many of us have it a lot better than others. When we got everything in order, he warns us, and so he's telling us that we are accountable. If you have very little, Jesus taught us that you're accountable for very little. And some of us need less because we're not good stewards of what we have. Come on. But when we are rich, and I don't know what that term means. It means something to you. I don't know what it means to be full to you. Put yourself there. And... He warns those that are laughing. And he's not using it in a negative way. Just enjoying their life. Just, he's just putting it together like that. And he says, and He warns those when all men speak well of Him. So I would say Jesus said this. I think you need to take them serious. And you need to give them application in your life. You need to go through your life. And say, Am I rich compared to some people I am? Am I full? Man, I I I, I ate last night and I'm still full. Laughing, not going through any great stressful time right now. Things are pretty good. Whenever one speaks with well, him, he warns us. He warns us. Now the blessing, the poor. He said, "Yours will be the kingdom of God." Jesus taught that success success can get in the way of knowing god remember the illustration he gave about the camel going through the eye of the needle and, and boy there's been argument over the over that which is totally unnecessary oh for sure jesus is talking about a needle like my wife has a needle and it's hard for our camel to go through the eye of that needle easier for him to go through that than a rich man to go to heaven Others have given a geographical uh, evidence of what went on. There is a uh, 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 entry to the city Old Jerusalem. It's the odd needle. And camels to get through there had to get on their knees to get through there. I, th- I think that's a better example. I think he was using the, the geographic location he was in to teach them. Because, you know, I, that needle, that's an impossibility. But you take that eye of that needle, if that camel get down on his knees, if he'll humble himself, he can get through the eye of the needle and come out and walk on the other side. And you know what? It doesn't matter who you are, you can get saved. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how successful you are. You can get saved and you can know Christ. And I know a bunch of wealthy people that are great Christian people. Let me tell you something. Money doesn't solve all of your problems in the world, but it helps you get through some of them. It helps you get over the worrying about that doctor bill you got, right? Money is not all evil. How many how many think that money is evil? Money is not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. So the rich man can get saved. It's a warning. You got to bow down. You got to humble yourself. And I'll tell you this. I know a lot of people that don't hardly have anything that are so full of pride, they're as bad as any rich person I've ever met. They need to bow down. <clears throat> so the poor, and then through Matthew's uh, statements, and he added the rest, we realize that the poor, most likely speaking to those that are poor in spirit and are in heart, Theirs is the kingdom. So, you know, success can get in your way and keep you from knowing God because it makes life easier to deal with. It does. You, you deal. Matthew 19, 24, again i say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. You've got to bow down. And whoever you are, you have to humble yourself to be saved. <coughs> You don't become a, a, a Christian <clears throat> because you say a certain group of words. You don't become a Christian because you say a certain prayer. You don't become a Christian because you come to the altar. You should do all those things. You should do all do all those things. But you become a Christian when you humble yourself before Jesus and trust Him as your Lord and Savior. And that's what people miss. They go through the motions. And miss the reality. Uh, Just like people don't worship. Same thing. So, he goes on to say, Blessed are the hungry. They shall be filled. And I think Jesus is just teaching us here, if you go into this world and through this world without having the necessities made, if you are a believer, one day all of those necessities are going to be filled full. He said in Matthew 5, 6, to give us a little more insight, He said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you hunger to know God? That's the word righteousness. Do you hunger to know the Lord? Do you come to church and reach up to touch Him? Are you hungry to know Him? He said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. I'm trying to get whatever it is down <coughs> for righteousness. Then the the weep. We got a comparison between those that weep and those that are laughed. He says, Blessed are they that weep, they shall laugh. You know, we're we're living in a society, a, a culture that's becoming more divided every day, it seems. How many agree with that? same mental. And and you know, some of the things that go on, not some of the things, many things that go on in in, in the world around me, which I'm getting old enough to have a history now. I remember when my parents had a history. I was thinking, what is your problem? What are you so concerned with? Life is wonderful. Life is beautiful. Hey, there ain't nothing coming at us we can't fix. Amen? You young people feel that way, don't you? I hope you do. You should. But I'm going to tell you something. I've been there And now, I've gotten a little age on me. I'm to the point now that there's a lot of things that cause me to weep. A lot of things that bother me that has changed in the culture in which we live in. I I don't have time to get into all the things because there's an unlimited number of things (coughs) that I want to mention. I hope I'm not bothering you by that. Blessed are they that weep. Jesus even taught us that rather than laughing, we should be weeping. He taught us to mourn. And and what he's trying to teach us there is that we need to get in the mood, need to get in the the feeling that, that we need God. We need God. When you're laughing, it's like you don't need God. And th- there's nothing wrong with laughing, okay? Let's don't take that home. Preacher preached against laughing. No, Hey, I, I can't remember the last time I had a good belly laugh. but I, I can't remember when it was, but I remember it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whoa, I love them, don't you? <clears throat> and I'll be honest with you, I think subconsciously, a lot of things bother me and keep me from having that belly laugh. But when I get to heaven, uh, when I get to heaven, we're going to have time, aren't we? No problems anymore, no troubles. And you know, if you're not in heaven with us, we're going to mourn about that. And Jesus said he's going to wipe all of that from our memory so we can laugh. And the only way we could laugh without you being with us is that the Lord takes that from our memory. Because we don't want you not to be in heaven with us. So... <coughs> Blessed are the poor, there's the kingdom. Blessed are they that are hungry, they shall be filled. And blessed are they that weep, they shall laugh. We're going to try that. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Debbie. Now, then he says, blessed are the hated, the separated, those in reproach, those that are outcast. Hey, I've seen people there. I felt that way before about my own self. But I've seen people that We're going through difficulties in relationships. He says in verse 22, the latter part, your name has been associated with evil for the Son of Man's sake. We are in a culture that's so swiftly being divided that what was good has been taught is bad. And what is bad is taught as good. You can say amen to that, can't you? We're there. We're seeing the development today, which I believe is a beginning of the days when the Lord will come back where Christians can be persecuted and imprisoned and the whole news media will say, well, we finally got them where they belong. We've done a good thing. Can I tell you what's going to really bring the division to Christianity someday before the Lord comes back? The problem is this, that we cannot deny that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We cannot deny what the Bible teaches. And we're going to be called evil because of those two things. America seems to be more divided over every issue more every day. As Christians, we don't need to accentuate the separation and the differences, but we need to find ways to reach in to those that are not saved and bring them to Christ. We should not stand over in the corner and have a Phariseeical judgmental mind against those that disagree with us and just point out their problems. We should do everything we can do to bond and link and win people to Christ. And even when we do that, the Bible teaches us that they are still going to call us evil and separate from us, and we're going to be persecuted for it. I'm talking about we as I'm talking about all of us as Christians. One day it's going to be a lot stronger than it is this day. Now, being a Christian in this life can cost you money, it can cost you success. It can cost you heartache. It can cause you to have people hate you. That's not automatic. It's not all, but it should cost us something to be a Christian. If you look at Luke 14, Jesus is going to say, if he said, He's going to say there's a cost of being my disciple, and He's going to say if you're not willing to pay that cost of being my disciple, you're not worthy to be my disciple with all the love that Jesus gives us, with all the invitation that he gives us to come to him, after we come in, he starts giving us the rest of the story, doesn't he? And he said, all right, I wasn't lying to you, but I didn't tell you the whole story. I promise you the abundant life, and you can have the abundant life, although you're persecuted. The apostle Paul and Silas were in prison, and at midnight after having a, a, a a thorough beating, they're at midnight singing praises to God and thanking God that they were able to be beaten for the name of Jesus' sake. He said, Preacher, I'm not there yet. I understand. Have you ever thought about it even? Have you ever thought about the fact that it should cost you something to be a Christian? Verse 22, he says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. And somebody, somebody watching or someone is thinking, preacher, you're an extremist. I got news for you. I just read what Jesus said. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And he's no extremist. He is extremely holy. He is extremely righteous. And He's extremely God. He's extremely the Son of God. He's extremely correct. And He's telling you the truth. Now the promise, yours is the kingdom, verse 20. You shall be filled, verse 21. You shall laugh. I love it. I look forward to today one day when we sit down in heaven and we're looking back and we're talking about what a blessing it is to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. What a blessing it is to drive a bus on Sunday morning up through Bullocker County winding around those hills and having uh, kids uh, yell and scream at you oh, in that bus. And you get here and probably not appreciated it as much as you should. What a day it's going to be when you laugh that you were able to serve him. See, now, it really doesn't pay that much to serve Jesus. It does. And you, if you're not careful, you'll overlook the blessing. Jesus told us in the book of Mark that everyone that sacrifices for his sake will be repaid in this world 100-fold. You say, Preacher, I'd hate to see where I'd be if I didn't. But you don't see the whole story. When you get to heaven, when you get to judgment, you're going to say, man, I am so sorry I didn't take those opportunities to serve. Now think about this. Now think about this with me. This place is a destination when you first get saved, but it's not a destination once you get in. It's a place of assignment. It's a place where we're sent from. It's a place where we serve God from. It's a place where we live our Christian life from, and we're to take the gospel into the world. So I ask you again, when you get to heaven, what are you going to feel like when you turn down all those opportunities? Oh, you're going to say, God, I wish I went to Sunday night service and let that preacher bore me to death like the other people got bored to death. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. The promise, yours is a kingdom, you shall be filled, and you're gone to life. What are you tell me, preacher? I'm telling you what like Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7. He said, casting all of your care upon him, for he cared for you. You need to cast those cares on Jesus. Don't try to use logic to figure God out. One day, one day the cares of this world are going to be behind us. Until then, we've got to keep casting them on Jesus. Now, go back through verse 23. He said, rejoice ye in that day. In that day that you're persecuted, you say, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Okay. You said, Preacher, you read that. You read that thing about being persecuted, verse 22, and you know, you're know you hated, and you're reproached, and your name is cast out in evil uh, for Jesus' sake, and then you read that thing about, whoa, uh, in verse, you know, you're going to have joy, going to have great work He said, "You're going to say that, preacher? I, I, that doesn't fit me. None of that fits me at all." Well, I'll give you a couple reasons why. Number one, there's times in the world that things are worse than they are at other times in the world. There's places in the world where things are worse than other places in the world. Do you know today that there are places? Somalia would be an example. There's places in the world they—if you are called a Christian—you won't live long. If, if they don't want you to live long, did you know that? Do, do you know? Do you know that in Russia this last week they just put a guy in prison for 19 years for being an extremist? Now you pray. Tell me, what does that mean? An extremist? What is an extremist? You, you're guilty. you're an extremist. Why? Well, I am an extremist about everything I do. I'm an extremist about chocolate cake. I love it. I could be. He's an extremist. You know what that man, really? He opposed the authority. The Putin authority. He opposed him. And he was a, a, a leader in Russia. Put in prison 19 years on top of the six I think he already has simply because he opposes. How would you like to live in a country like that? If something don't happen, you will live in a country like that if you live long enough. The Bible teaches us that we're in the last days. It began when Jesus died on the cross, right? And guess who is not happy about Jesus? Satan. He's not going to be done until he has more hate going on in this world than we've ever seen before. We need to be careful. It's a promise, The warning. We close with the warning. We, we get back to the warning. Woe to the rich. Why? Because you can kind of soak through it all. You don't have to go through it all. You, you know, when, when he said, "Woe to the rich. Woe to those uh, that uh, laugh." You can, you can, you can just enjoy your life on your own and avoid all that the world is doing. Our tendency. Is to comfort ourselves. Woe to those that are full, he said. Woe to those that are laughed. Woe to those that when all men speak well of you. I don't know if I've ever had that problem. Maybe I deserve it. Verse 26: Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did they, the fathers of the false prophets. I got so many more things I'd like to say today. I'm just trying to say what Jesus said. Where are you at? Are you coming to church as a destination? Or are you involved, ready to serve and, and give of yourself so that when you get to heaven, you're received because of that giving? You say, preacher, I'm just the destination person. I'm going to put my time in. I put my time in. That's, that's what my attitude is. Well, you know what? You can make a lot of progress in a short time if you'll just surrender to Christ and do what you know. It wouldn't be right if I ended today without telling you this. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Friend, you can have the abundant life, the wonderful life, the Christian life that comes with it, responsibility and accountability. But it all begins so you understand about that camel that had to get on his knees to go through that gate? See, there's a gate to heaven, and that gate is Jesus Christ. The only way to pass through the gate is to humble yourself. You can come up to the gate. You can live like you're inside the gate, but you never get through that gate until you humble yourself and trust Jesus Christ. Give it all to Him and become His. And virtue will come out from Him and it will change your life. Let's bow our heads and quietly stand to our feet as I want to give an invitation for you that are not a Christian. I want to give the invitation for you that are not a Christian to come through the gate Jesus to come through that gate and become a Christian today Lord we thank you for this opportunity to be at the destination and pray Lord that would be the beginning for all of us and that we would leave this place realizing we're on mission to do what you did why you were here. We ask this blessing on the invitation. We pray, Lord, that those that are not Christian would come today and receive Christ. <coughs> and those that know Christ, those of us who are saved, would come and rededicate our life to Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. You. Let's sing that out now. You come. You come. Express yourself. Express yourself. Become a church part of the church family, you come to You'd like to join? Baptism Whatever you need. Bow our heads just for a moment. Piano continues to play. You be praying.